Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But he tells them, But whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. For just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, being an example. And you know, I don't think this is just for pastors and shepherds. I don't think it's just for elders. I, I think this is for all of us. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio for today, as Pastor Rob finalizes this section of Peter's explanation of a spiritual shepherd. God's Word teaches us how they should be servants and not to lord over others in the flock belonging to Jesus Christ. Shepherds should not do their job as lords because the sheep do not belong to them. The sheep are entrusted to them. Therefore, shepherds are to serve by being examples, not dictators. Let's join Pastor Rob with the final teaching in this section. Catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. But again, verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, guess what? That's you and I. He's speaking to the Jews. He says, other sheep I have. The children of Israel were his sheep. But Jesus said, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I must also bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. And speaking of the uniting of Jew and Gentile together, and what we know as the body of Christ, the church. That's what's coming. And David God's going to allow him to shepherd over that. Over the, he's going to be an under-shepherd over the great shepherd in that millennial reign in Jerusalem, we believe. In that same chapter in John, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me, if the God, God the Father gives them to Jesus, I would say that they're pretty secure in the hand of Christ. If God the Father gives you something, guess what? It's, it's a, is there anybody that's going to take it away from you? Is there any sheep, any one of us that can be taken away out of Jesus' hand? I don't think so. He said, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Is your salvation secure this morning? Absolutely. 
If you've given your heart to Christ, to the great shepherd, there is no one that can take you out of his hand. You may say, well, you don't understand what I've done this week. You don't understand the great sin that I committed last week. You don't understand the things that I did in my youth that were so foul, I can't even mention them, for they would defile you just by me telling you. I'll say to you, so what? (laughs) No matter how great your sin is, Jesus is the great shepherd. And he can forgive you no matter how vile and ugly and twisted and weird and sick, whatever it is that you've ever done. It's nothing. Is there anything that that can compare to the blood of Almighty God on the cross? Jesus Christ on the cross? Is there anything that's like, oh, I don't know, that's that's a pretty severe sin. You stole bubblegum at 7-Eleven when you were little? I don't know if the blood of Christ can cover that. Maybe a white lie, but that's tough. (laughs) No. There's nothing. There's no murderer. There's no serial killer. There's no rapist. There's no mass murderer that can ever look at Jesus and say, can you forgive me? The answer is going to be, yes, I can, but you need to repent. You need to turn from your sin. So we need to listen for the still, small voice of God. You remember when Jesus was resurrected, he told his disciples to meet him in the Galilee. He told them to go before them and, and meet them. He would meet them in Galilee. And you remember that Peter, after the resurrection, he, he was so, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, he became so discouraged. At one point, he looked at his fellow guys and says, You know what? I don't know what's happening. I don't know what my plan, what God's plan is and all this, but you know what? I'm, I'm going fishing. So they do. They go up to Galilee. They start fishing. They catch nothing. <laughs> Jesus is on the shore in the morning, and he's got coals of fire. He's building a fire. And he calls them to shore after Jesus tells them to cast the net on the other side. What do you mean? We've been fishing all of our life. We know this, we know lake. We know this lake better than you, Lord. <laughs> oh? We'll throw your, net on the, throw your nets on the other side. Oh, okay, we'll throw a net. They catch such a great amount of fish. They bring him to shore. Jesus has this wonderful dialogue with Peter. And I love what he says to him. Jesus, the chief shepherd, looking at Peter, the one who has been disgraced, the one who's feeling pretty horrible about his denial of Christ. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Perhaps looking at this great draught of fish they just caught as a result of the Lord's leading. Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. These are your marching orders, Peter. I know that you're feeling like a failure. I know that you failed. And I know that you feel worthless. And you know what? That's a great prerequisite for serving in the kingdom of God is feeling worthless and bankrupt. He recommissions him and he says, feed or tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And finally Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Just as Peter now has been ministered to by the Lord, now fast forward in time a little bit, now Peter is sharing the same thing with these men that have been dispersed. And now he says to them, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. Not by compulsion, not by force, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not for the money, 
If you're in it for the money, you're gonna you're should be doing something else. It's not about money. It's about being faithful to him. But to shepherd the flock that is among you, tend to their needs, don't impose things on them. You know, the needs of this body are different from the needs of other bodies. There are some fellowships that are that well, there's a lot of elderly folks. In our church there's a mixed it's mixed. So what I try to propose, young events and things in a church with a, with a bunch of elderly folks, I've got to tend and minister to the flock that is among me, among us. That's what the, the job is, to know them, to get to know them. And as you do, you're able to minister to them in a way that they can receive. If I'm speaking to a really young congregation, I'm going to speak to them a little bit differently than somebody than a congregation that's older. You have to think about who it is that's before you. Shepherd the flock that is among you. You remember Paul in the, in the book of Acts as he spoke to those Ephesian elders on the beach in Acts 20. In verse 27, he said to them, the Paul, this great shepherd, this under-shepherd, he said to them, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to the flock among you which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He's made you bishops. He's made you an episcopal. Episcopal, to shepherd the church of God, which he, Jesus, has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, Paul said, that after my departure, they weren't going to see him after this. These Ephesians believers, they knew that this was the last time they were going to see Paul Paul, because he was going to be bound back to Rome before long, where Nero would execute him. They knew in their heart, this is the last time we're going to see Paul. And what did he say to them? He says, I know this, guys. That after my departure, savage wolves, they're going to come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, even among the church leaders, there's going to be men who will rise up speaking perverse things, drawing the disciples after themselves. He says, therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn every one of you night and day with tears. Night and day with tears. And that's what a shepherd does. And we see Paul being this wonderful under-shepherd. He learned from the Master those years after his conversion, those three or four years, whatever it was that he was in Arabia, and Jesus was revealing himself, revealing the whole doctrine of what we hold to. The book of Romans is such a great uh, a book. You read it. And not being as lords over them, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being, notice, examples to the flock. A good shepherd, a good pastor should not be in the business of manipulating people to get them to do what they want, nor should they allow themselves to be manipulated either. In Matthew chapter 20, you remember there was a time when James and John, they were brothers, right? And his mother, their mother, the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two, my sons, may sit, one on your right hand and one on the, on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with, the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? And they said, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink the cup. And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand or to my left is not mine to give, but it's for those who have been, it has been prepared for my father. And when the other ten heard that, they were greatly displeased. And the two brothers, 
with the two brothers, excuse me, but Jesus called them to himself. And notice what he said, the good shepherd, the great shepherd of the flock. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. We see that in our hierarchy of our, our, our government, and it's designed to be that way. There, there is. But the attitudes and the hearts behind it can be twisted and wrong, right? God sets up his order, and thank God there's an order, There's order in the outside government. There's also order within the church. God's a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. These things have to be in place. Otherwise, there's a huge vacuum, and and there's just a, a big mess. But he tells them, But whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. For just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, being an example... And, you know, I don't think this is just for pastors and shepherds. I don't think it's just for elders. I, I think this is for all of us, especially the men, all of us, really, women. You're an example to somebody. There's younger girls coming up. How is it that you dress? How is it that you speak? What are the things that are important to you? They're watching you. Consider what you're doing in your whole entire life. Everything is on display, and eyes and hearts are watching. There's a responsibility there, just like there is for a shepherd, a pastor, We are to be examples. And you know we're going to blow it at times. And nobody's perfect, and we all blow it. But we need to love each other and pray for each other and brush off the sand and move on. But we need to be examples. Because there are pastors and shepherds that enjoy the prestige. They enjoy the coddling and the gifts and the respect and the looking up to. People tell them great things. You know, it's nice to be encouraged time, you know, every now and then, just, to, you know, that you're, you're, you're doing the right thing. But, you know, every person, every person in any area of leadership has to be careful. Because before long, you start believing your own press and your head starts to swell. And then God can't use you as effectively because you think you're all that when actually you're nothing. Didn't Jesus say that? Without me, you can do nothing. I take that to heart. I mean, (laughs) there's nothing I can do. There's nothing any one of us can do of eternal value except God does it in us, unless he births it in us, unless we share that. Just let it be, just be a vessel, a clean vessel, that he can use you. Because if there's all kinds of junk in my own heart, the light that's coming through is blocked by a bunch of darkness. And if you think about it, it's like, a, it's like a pipe that big around. Your life could be that, you know, it's like this, and it's clean on the inside, and it's just hollow in the center, just one stream that can go straight out no matter what. But as we go through life, we start hiding things, and we start doing things, and all of a sudden this lens starts getting clogged up. It starts getting dirty. It looks like a, it looks like a lamp. You know, those old lamps that you'd actually light with the oil in them. The, the inside of the glass is dark, and it's dirty, And no longer can that light get out like it used to be because it's so filthy and it's marred. Our lives can be like that. Clean it out. How do you do that? You get on your knees, you pray, you confess your sin, you get into the Word, you listen to the Word, and you respond to the Word of God. Let the Holy Spirit consume you and take every part of you. Don't let anything be hidden any longer. Today, go home and get on your knees and pray to God. Say, Lord, any darkness, any area in my life that I'm hiding from you, that I think I'm, I'm you know, somehow hiding it from you, Lord, expose it right now just between us. You don't have to be embarrassed before God. 
We're embarrassed before each other because we like to look better than what we really are. But you, before God, you can be naked and unashamed. He knows already. Can you fool him? <laughs> he knows. He's already seen your life as if it's already, he saw before you were even conceived and he sees you in glory already. That's the wonderful omniscience and the power of God. He sees all things. We cannot hide anything. Neither should we. And that's how great our relationship can be with him. We don't have to hide anything from him. What a great release. What a great joy. What a great thing to be in the clear. Have you ever been in trouble with your parents when you were growing up and you were hiding something from them and days and weeks are going by and, and they know something really bad has happened and you're the cause of it, but you've been keeping your mouth quiet and you're trying maybe to cover up for a couple of friends of yours and the days and the, the weeks just go by and you're just aching inside. You're like David after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. For a year he walked around with his face hanging out and just dying inside. And finally, when Nathan, by the grace of God, just exposes him, finally, he's, there's a wonderful release. God forgives him. He's, the, 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 the balloon has been popped. And now there's great relief. Oh, my gosh. Have you ever had a great relief from anything, even physical? Spiritually, it's like that, too. We need to come to him and let him take care of those things. You can come to him. He's not going to be upset with you. He's grieved when you don't come to him. But when we come to him, we can cast all of our cares upon him because he does care for us. He wants us to be rid of it. Take all of the ugliness, every filthy, awful thing that you've ever said, you've ever done, lay it at his feet. Don't be afraid. God's people belong to God. May we be the best examples we can be. Amen. And notice in verse 4, finally, And when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory which does not fade away. A crown of glory or a crown of praise. Are you going to be excited in that day as you stand at the Bema Seat Judgment Believer, as you stand before him and he says, you know what, I've got so many things I want to show to you that you've done that were led by my spirit and you faithfully did them. Here's a crown. He's going to give you a crown. Rewards for the things that you've done since you've been saved. And you're going to be completely undone. Imagine that day there's going to be a lot of tears. And, and then all of us, once that we've received those awards or lack of their rewards, those who have received great rewards are going to take those things. Even if you've only got one, you're going to throw it at his feet and say, Lord, because of you, all of this has happened. Only because of you, this is possible. Isn't that great? He rewards you for what you let him do in your life. It's almost unfair. All the crowns belong to him. He knows that. But he wants to encourage you. Be encouraged today, folks. Be encouraged today that when the chief shepherd appears, we know that when he occurs, uh, uh, appears in the rapture, that could happen at any moment now. We're going to see him, and all of this is going to make sense. It's going to register deep in our hearts. And also, when we are with him in that, and during the rapture, when the whole earth is going, undergoing a judgment for seven years, and then we come back with him to the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem at the second coming of Christ to the earth, we will rule and reign with him forevermore. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory. Notice it doesn't fade away. It doesn't need to be polished. You don't need to get out your special formula on a little rag and squirt that little bit of ointment on it and take your silver and that tarnishes and, boy, it looks nasty. And then you, no, it'll never, ever fade away. 
because it's something that he has done. So, be encouraged. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you've never, if, you, if, you, if there's something on your heart, you know, we just looked at the first four verses of this, and hopefully the week after next, uh, if I'm able to get out of bed, hopefully, I'm going to purpose with all my heart to be here again. But we'll finish the rest of this chapter the next time we get together. But notice your great shepherd who loves you, who's gone before you, who tends to you, who cares for you. Be encouraged by him. He does all those things. That list that we read earlier, that's who the great shepherd is. And that's what we are to be. Under shepherds, ministering. And even if you don't have the title of pastor, who cares? Titles mean nothing to God, but the heart matters everything. So men, regardless of what you do, wherever you're working, whatever you do, whatever your title is in the world, you are still, in a sense, you are, you are a shepherd for your family. You're a shepherd for your kids. For those around you, be a shepherd, taking care of them. Got a lot of lessons to learn myself in this area. But be encouraged that there is a great shepherd who does all these things. I want to encourage you, if there's anything, anyone here this morning that you want prayer for, you want prayer, come on up. Pastor David, myself, and the elders, uh, whoever, which of them are here. I know Richard is here, and... uh, Richard Williams as well. Come on up. We'll, we'd love to pray for you. You don't need us, but we'd love to pray for you. And if you haven't received Jesus Christ this morning, please consider coming up and giving your heart to Christ. Rededicating your heart to Christ. If you've been that stray sheep that's, been, that's left the 99 and has gone off into the hills, done your own thing, tried to get away with it and realize, you know what, I'm more messed up than when I left. i got to come back. My heart is broken. My life is a shambles. My relationships all around me are shambles. Would you come up and receive that grace by God to, to be reinstated in a sense, to recommit your heart to Christ, or if you've never given your heart to Christ, to give your heart to Christ today. It's so important, folks. You Jesus said you must be born again. It's not even an option. There's no other way. You can search all you want, but in the end, you're going to come back to this one who was pierced on the cross for you and I. Ultimately, you'll come back to him because he's the only one who said, I will take your sin upon myself. You don't deserve it. But I'm doing this because I love you. Is there anybody else who's been able to do that in your life? Has Buddha done that because he loves you? Has Hare Krishna done that? Has Allah done that because he loves you? Has David Koresh did that because he loves you? Has Joseph Smith done that because he loves you? Has Charles Taze Russell done it because he loves you? Has Jim Jones done that because he loves you? There's no one on the planet who's done that. Only Jesus. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for uh, everyone's patience. Lord, how we pray that, Lord, you, the great shepherd, will get a hold of our life again. And, Lord, that you lead us into that good pasture. Lord, where we can enjoy fellowship, that we can enjoy the healing, Father. We can enjoy, Lord, being, um, just being cared for, Lord, being nurtured, Father. There's so, much, so many lessons in here for me and for all of us, too, Lord. Make us those shepherds, all of us, especially the men here, Father. And may the ladies be shepherdesses.
So you look at the younger gals and shepherd them, teach them, lead them in the right way. Be examples, Lord. We thank you for this time. Pray that you be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.